And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, and this is, you know, super reality. (laughs) Iron (laughs) Giant, the Iron Giant. Yeah. Yes. It's the movie uh, Steven Spielberg tried unsuccessfully to make when he did E.T. Oh, yes. That's a good, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. Too funny, yes. He got so close, but not close enough. <laughs> oh, so it took Brad Bird in uh, oh, in yeah. 1999 to make this. Uh, this is an animated movie, um, The Iron Giant. And it didn't do very well uh, when it came out, I don't believe. No, that's a source of sadness for all of us fans. And it is a terrific movie. You know, so. It is so good. Did you see it at the movies? I don't recall seeing it at the movies. I do not. In 1999, yeah, I would have been, yeah, in Malad. My daughter wouldn't have been born yet. We would have had a four-year-old at home. Our son was four. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't recall going to the theater to see it. Might have been too scary for a four-year-old anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we did see it because we just routinely went to see all kinds of animated movies they came out if they looked all right we went with the kids and um this one i remember the theater i remember watching it i just remember being amazed and we tom and i watched the simpsons then let's i'm thinking rose would have been nine and hannah 11 at this point but we weren't watching it with the kids and we didn't pay attention to who did it so we didn't even know about brad bird working on the simpsons and um We'd never heard of him, but we'd seen ads for the movie, surprisingly, because evidently the marketing was so botched on this thing. Oh, boy. And that's why nobody saw it, even though the critics all universally acclaimed it. Now it's a cult favorite and has just grown in strength. But um, we saw it at the movies and just were blown away. And I was re-watching this last night going, I can't wait until my one-and-a-half-year-old grandson is old enough to watch this. I can't wait to watch this with him because we all loved it, but it seems to me like a little boy's movie. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a perfect little boy's movie. Yeah. I wonder why, uh, so you think it was marketing? Was it a problem? It's universally acknowledged. If you look at the Wikipedia page, there's a Mm -hmm. whole section on, yeah, they didn't put the money into it. They didn't understand what the movie was. I think uh, maybe Tarzan had come out from Disney then, and everybody was used to seeing Disney, but they didn't understand how to sell the movie. Warner Brothers didn't. And so it just languished. It, you know, cost like $70 million maybe, and it made $30 million. And um, I don't know. Like I said, we saw the ads and went, well, let's go see it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was um... – just curious, you know, what else came out in 1999. And when I looked that up, I just did a Google search, you know, movies from 1999. And it, um, a couple of things said that this was an iconic year in film, you know, Uh some, you know, special year. And, um, so I I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but we had star Wars episode one, we had, um, and iron giant is listed in the top 10 of the year, by the way, in this site, eyes wide shut, uh, the Sixth Sense, Ugh. 
Blair Witch yeah. Project, Fight Club, The Matrix. Um, though those are but, what it's saying is iconic. See, what it's listing are different. Those are adult movies. Yes, they are. Yeah. You have to look at what were the kids' movies. Okay. And how they were marketed versus, I mean, because, you know, we're the unusual adults. Tom and I, before we had kids, were going to see, well, let's try Fievel, an American tale or whatever it was, um, which I did not love. But we were still giving it a try. We would go see all these kids' movies, just, you know, are they any good? I don't think most people were like that. They were going to see The Matrix or The Sixth Sense or whatever. They're not going to go see Iron Giant unless they've got kids. Uh, Agreed, agreed. So, so, yeah, a quick look there, and, um, yeah, you're right, Tarzan, uh, Stuart Little, Muppets from Space. Oh, I never saw that. <laughs> we could use the ads to make judgments. <laughs> That's right. Inspector Gadget. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Baby Geniuses, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, and this is Brad Bird's first movie. Mm-hmm. And he did, uh, of course, The Incredibles, Incredibles 2. He did Ratatouille. Um, he did uh, Ghost Protocol, which is the uh, oh, Mission yeah. Impossible movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the things that I, I learned about this is, you know, Warner Brothers was coming off a disaster with um, The Quest for Camelot which was another animated movie they made that failed uh, horribly. And so they were really timid. And and maybe this led into the marketing thing, but um, the thing that I saw, and I don't have it to quote, unfortunately, but it said that Brad Bird was dealing with about half a normal budget and about half a normal staff and a short period of time. (laughs) So it was like... Warner Brothers kind of wanted to do this, but they they didn't give everything that people normally have because they were like not jumping in the pool hip deep. They were like just putting their toe in. You know what I mean? Right. I remember reading interviews at the time, and it was really kind of heartbreaking from the different artists who worked on it who said they were doing things like sleeping on the floors Wow! to get this out on time and they all put their heart and souls into it and they all believed in it so much and then they just had their hearts broken when it wasn't supported well by the studio on the other hand most of them got scooped up by Pixar so they were able to go on and do other things because the Pixar people went we liked it yeah we liked what you did Anyway, that's the background on it, but it doesn't, none of that really matters, honestly, because it's still out there. There are now commemorative Blu ray editions. I have on my wall here a picture of five posters framed that came with this big boxed commemorative Blu ray edition. And um, that's not happened, maybe for Tarzan, <laughs> but none of those other movies you named, nobody remembers them. That's not what they go, oh, I remember when I was this and I saw this movie. You will hear people who are whatever ages, now parents themselves or older, going, I remember watching this movie. Usually uh, guys, when I'm listening to interviews and stuff, but we all remember it very fondly. And we had two little girls, so, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's, that's neat. It's an amazing movie because, and I think... Um, you know, for one thing, the story is told so well, it's super quick summary, I guess, set in the 1950s. So you've got the whole Cold War vibe going on. And you've got that gives them a chance to do all the great um, 
kitschy kind of uh, house decoration and the diner that the mother works in. And it sets it in a real evocative time that's fun. And it's a little boy, Hogarth Hughes, who his father is gone. And I think at one point you can see a picture by his bed of mm. a man in uniform. So the idea is that his father died in the war, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And because mm-hmm. um, he's got a little bit of millet, like a little helmet and all this kind of stuff that would be maybe from his father or copying his father. And um, one day during a huge storm, a meteorite falls to Earth, except it's actually a huge robot. And luckily, it's a very remote area in Maine, and the robot is able to kind of wander around and not be seen by many people. But it's not because it understands the culture or anything. It's not trying to hide. It's just how it is. And it eats metal. The little boy discovers it. And somebody who saw it land, it's called Washington. And so a super paranoid uh, military guy is down investigating (laughs) and trying to track it down. And he's the villain of the piece. So as the little boy tries to save the robot who is learning from the little boy how you live and how you think and how you talk and all that stuff, um, Mm -hmm. the story unfolds from there. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. And so part of the reason the story is so... Um, memorable is the heart of the message that's in it. Agreed. And um, I love the art too. Um, yes. Beautiful stuff. Great. Yeah. In fact, they named the the town Rockwell uh-huh. because, you know, Norman Rockwell, there, there's a, oh, a little bit of normal Rockwell feel to it. I did not pick up on that. That oh. is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it even more now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had that that feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Cold War. I mean, it's interesting to be talking about the Cold War uh, at this yeah. time, particular time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that brought back memories um, for myself. You know, that's, um, you know, the, the 1950s. I was born in the 60s, but, um, you know, the Cold War was... Uh, a oh, big deal all the way into the 80s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that that's just a really interesting thing. And I loved, uh, the, the the boy is named Hogarth, you know, uh-huh. nine-year-old kid. Um, I really enjoyed his character as well. Um, I liked that he was sort of self-educating with science fiction and horror oh. and comic books. <laughs> so he was ready for that robot, you know. Yeah, uh, it was. I, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It, well, it was bringing to life all the things that he was so excited about in stories. Mm-hmm. You know, the we we see him watching the horror movie with the brains that are yeah. taking the people <laughs> over, and yeah. then you see um, he's showing later the Iron Giant. He's showing him all his comic books that are super cool, <laughs> and you could just—it's that excitement of anybody that age who is just reveling in story. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh my gosh, this part came true. I'm the luckiest boy in the world. Hundred foot tall iron giant. Yeah. yeah. Just just a yeah, uh, just a beautiful feel to it. I, I recall a scene where he's talking to the robot, showing the robot these comic books, and and he's showing him Superman, right? He's saying, Superman, right. you know, you're you're like Superman. And then, but there's another comic with a killer robot on it that's shooting a laser out of its head. And um, I like how Hogarth kind of slides the, 
the Superman over the top of it. So he's like, yeah, this is what you want right here. <laughs> you right. know, you, you don't want to be like that. I thought yeah. it was interesting because the robot is looking at that one with Atomo or whatever it's called mm. admiringly. Yeah. Because it's a huge robot like him. He doesn't really know or remember yet, mm-hmm. but spoilers coming. <laughs> um, he can shoot lasers out of his eyes and destroy things. So, yeah. But he's just going, oh, that's a robot like me, you know. And mm. that's when Hogarth says, as you're saying, he slides Superman on top and says, no, 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 he's a bad guy. Mm. You're a good guy. You're Superman. <laughs> and Superman, he says, yeah, he came to Earth. No one knew where he came from. He, he makes mistakes at first. And I thought, this is perfect because, like, the thing with the train tracks, and he's, the, the giant eats metal. So he's, you know, ooh, and he picks it up and the train's coming, of course. And so the kid's like, put it back, put it back. <laughs> and so they're trying to put it back. And then he's, like, trying to be the most exact. And I'm like, this is where the humor there's humor laced throughout even the most tense moments, you know. Mm, yeah. And um, but he's he's made a mistake, and the train's derailed. No one's killed or anything. It's a freight train, I guess. But um, but that's okay. You can still be Superman. Superman made mistakes too, and I like that that you can pick yourself back up and keep going because the robot doesn't feel remorse over that. It doesn't know enough. But Hogarth's whole attitude is that's all right. <laughs> you know, we'll move on. Yeah, yeah, which is how we need to treat ourselves all the time. Right. Um, you know, that's how God treats us too. Right. Um, but but yeah, but I, I love that. I mean, it was just a beautiful example of of that. Um, you know, the the way that Hogarth treats the giant and uh, has hopes for the giant. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's almost mm-hmm. like a grace, right? He's like. You know, right. this is, you know, I have such hope. I wish so, I wish the best for you, you Here's know. who you can be. Yes, exactly. And then we have, to contrast that, we have this guy, Kent Mansley. <laughs> That's quite a name, <laughs> Kent Mansley, from the U.S. government, right? Yeah. Who, um, yeah, I mean, he's steeped in this Cold War stuff, so he's got, you know, a very black and white uh, kind of a fence, you know, there needs to be, uh, there's good people on one side and bad people on the other side, and uh, there is no redemption possible. I mean, that, that, that's what I feel like his right. whole attitude was. It's just like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to meet somebody and put them on one side or the other, and that's just how they're going to be. And um, so he's convinced that, uh, that um, you know, there's something nefarious going on, and he's going to figure it out and He's going to eliminate yeah. it. Yep. A hundred foot tall giant, when he finds that out, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, he's from the Russians. He's from the Chinese. Yeah. So, um, and of course, by the end, he's shown he's just not a, a good person anyway. But mm-hmm. when you were saying all that, it made me realize, you know, there's some things they do in this. You just expect them of the story. It's hitting a lot of beats you expect. It's a kid's movie after all. But it's nuanced in some ways. So, here he is, and he is just like, this robot's evil. He lies about it, says he's killed a kid, and that's what impels the general to go ahead and go, okay, everybody attack. Yeah. We have to stop it. It's dangerous. But when everything's been explained to the general, no, no, the kid's not dead. No, he's only being defensive when he's using his weapons. And he's like, oh, well, you lied to me. and Okay, let's all just stop what we're doing. 
that's when the guy grabs the phone from him and says, fire, he, you know, mm-hmm. because his paranoia won't allow him to have a broader vision. But he's contrasted with the general. It's not that the military is bad. The military is necessary. Yeah. But if you're taking all the facts into account, you can make a more informed choice. And I was like, I hadn't realized that, you know, little contrast there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really used to show us how bad the guy is as he's like, forget the townspeople, I'm leaving, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he ends up shooting a missile at himself. <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> Pretty like, much, right? It's aimed at. It's aimed at the robot. Where's the robot? Oh, no. <laughs> right behind us. <laughs> Ding dong. Oh, man. Heck, yeah. Well, and it's that hate is destructive. Absolutely. Yeah. It destroys you. It just you. blinds you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was thinking about with the robot looking at the um, robot on the comic, I was like, this is that thing that you see where people, um, especially during the Olympics, they would say, here I am, I'm a black figure skater, or not figure skater, um, a racing skater, and there's no one like me. You'd see all these ads with, there was no one looking like me, and blah, 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 blah. And there's a value in that, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to having a role model who is like, oh, I don't see any black people, but I can do this, or I don't see any women or any whatevers, and mm-hmm. I can do this. But um, but I was like, but there's also a value in not limiting yourself to having only to follow people who look like you. That robot didn't know he could fly. He certainly doesn't look like Superman. It's the internal goals that matter at that point. Right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what uh, Hogarth, you know, is trying to steer him towards too. Steer mm-hmm. him towards understanding. Yeah, you yeah. are not a gun. Right, you are not you a are gun. Superman. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's 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 good stuff. It's like, yeah, this is not, you know, for the for the giant, you know, he could he could fall into. Well, that's just my nature, right? Mm-hmm. It's just my nature to be this way. Um, yeah, right. And to teach yourself that, you know, well. That's not so. You you still, you have decisions to make, you know? Yeah, because he is a destructive force, as they discover when Hogar's pointing a toy gun at him and shooting. And he, the instincts, his nature, mm-hmm. is to be a defensive weapon against that. Yeah. And he yeah. transforms. I have to say, toward the end, when he's, tra- when he's just enraged because he thinks Hogarth is dead, and he's just like, that's it, I'm full-on <laughs> war robot now. And I'm like, that was the coolest-looking thing I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but, um, but there's the whole thing of those two times in the junkyard – he just automatically does it, and he kind of wakes up and goes, what? Oh, are you okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And the artist is going, oh, no, you know, you get away from him. But the um, later, you see him actually starting to do it and stopping. Yes. And saying, I'm not a gun. I'm not a gun, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what the moment was um, – well, he was he was um, flying, and he had Hogarth with him in his hand. That's it, and the airplanes yeah. or the jets or fighter jets, right? Yeah, yeah. He could shoot those things down or or not. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah. not a gun. Yeah, know? and that that guy Dean, you just mentioned the artist. You know, his name was Dean. Yeah, and I thought that's another interesting contrast because Dean was open to him. I mean, 
initially he scared him, right? But he was like, right. okay, he's okay, he's okay. And then he and then he saw the laser shooting, which the kid was miraculously avoiding by accident. Right. Um, you know, more humor in a tense moment there. But um, <laughs> of course. but uh, so it was like, okay, the robot just showed me who he is, and now I'm reacting to that. You know, so he wasn't acting from assumptions or or uh, paranoia or anything. He was acting. I just saw this guy Evidence. shoot a laser, right? right? You know, so he was he was just reacting to that. Um, right. You know, unlike you know Kent Mansley who. Um, is just reacting based on uh, paranoia and knowledge that he thinks he has that uh, he doesn't. You get a feeling he's watched too many of those scary movies and he believed all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think about one of the things I loved about Hogarth's character where I was just thinking, this is a movie I could see a boy thrilling to, is watching my grandson, who granted he's only one and a half, but he is so different from the way my girls were when they were little. Mm. You know, he's just fearless about a lot of stuff. And not that the kids, my girls were afraid, but they just would be slower. They'd investigate more, just, you know, different qualities. And he just flings himself. Oh, there's some dirt. Let's see what's <laughs> going on here. Oh, here's the cars. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Look at mm-hmm. these cars. Look at this. There was a backhoe in the alley. Oh, my gosh. So, but so Hogar's pursuit of the giant, he sees this huge trail he sees these destroyed pieces of metal and everything on the way and it's scary but he keeps going yeah. now of course he has to keep going for the story but it's he is still curious and adventurous mm. and this is an adventure and yeah. he keeps going and so he's right. he's reacting to the science fiction stuff and the comic books and everything in a completely different way according to his nature than the government guy who to be fair his job their job is to protect the people he's just taken it way too far because he was practically torturing uh hogarth in that barn i know yeah yeah it's horrible and yeah, yeah mm-hmm. threatening him mm-hmm. threatening his mother and everything for sure and then um another moment that i really liked a hogarth moment was um after uh, Kent Mansley left, you know, Kent Mansley's very suspicious, but he he's uh, at the house with Hogarth and his mom, and he finally leaves. And then, uh, but the the robot's out in the in the barn. So Hogarth goes out to the barn, and, he's, and he can tell, okay, you're hungry. I can tell you're hungry. Let's go find some metal. Mm-hmm. Hogarth sees the city. And, you know, and starts to run towards it because he's like, oh, that's where I need to go. And Hogarth is like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> They're not ready for you yet. Oh, the giant's going toward it. Yeah, it the giant's so... running because he's holding yeah. Hogarth. Oh, did I right. say that incorrectly? Oh, you just said Hogarth starts running. And okay. I was thinking, oh, I don't remember that part. But... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the robot holding Hogarth started running towards the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hogarth, you know, said, stop, 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 you know. Uh, and he said, those folks are not ready to see you yet. And right. I thought that was just really interesting um, because Hogarth was ready. <laughs> Hogarth, yeah. was, you know, like you point. said, he was like, you know, I'm, I've been waiting for this my whole life, my whole nine-year-old life. You know, <laughs> I've got, you know, comic books. I'm watching movies. You know, I'm fully ready. And then um, – yeah, those folks aren't ready. And and that that I I just like that statement. You know, it was a recognition by Hogarth that he knows how people will react when they see 
this robot coming into oh, town, yeah. right? And right. you know, I think that that just that applies to other things too. Um, it, it's just you know, what are people ready for? But you know, that that can be a lot of different things. But you know, my my mind kind of uh, goes elsewhere. But mm-hmm. um, I love that from Hogarth's character, and then he's like, okay, well, I have another solution. And then he thinks of the junkyard because he sees mm-hmm. a little sign there, right? Um, yeah. But but I thought it was it was really great little animation and storytelling to, you know, hey, here's a car you can eat. And then yeah. here comes a tow truck. Right. And the tow truck tows the car away. And uh, the robot has to try to hide, <laughs> you know. So, and he hides in, in plain sight. Yep, yeah, in plain sight in as part of, of a billboard. Just yeah. brilliant. Just so good. <laughs> It was, those are such clever moments. And those are the little touches of brilliance that are so, uh, such a hallmark for Brad Bird, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and you said, you know, well, we're hitting beats because, well, this is a kid's movie and we're hitting them, but it's like all this stuff that's happening in between, um, all these little decisions that are made. And, and I remember seeing, you know, this little documentary film when we did, uh, I think it was The Incredibles or Ratatouille, mm-hmm. where we saw him at work and what it looked like when he's the director and he's talking yeah. to an animator and he says, nah, this is great, but if you could do just this one thing, it'll be magnificent, you know? So yeah. even though they've spent all those hours, ah, let's take the time and make that magnificent. Um, but you can just see those tiny touches in here. Well, um so yeah, good. one of the things I noticed that is a real hallmark of um, probably a lot of kids' movies, but specifically I would say Pixar movies, um, is the eyes tell the story. Hmm. And so if you have somebody who's not, well, for one thing, for human characters, of course it does, but the robot's character is all in his eyes because he has no other way of, he can't smile. I mean, he can gesture or hold a hand out or whatever, but the eyes are what, um, tell you his his thoughts. I mean, because when they, they kind of get real small and turn red, you're like, holy crap, what's going on here? Mm. But, you know, they can half close. They can indicate suspicion. That usually something would also use eyebrows. But, you know, the eyes are it in this. And that's a real Brad Bird fixture also, mm. I think. Cool. And I was watching yeah. that the whole time through because that's what makes you love the giant. That's he's got to have those expressions. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. You know, and and because I'm interested in in animation and stuff, and I love Pixar. I, you know, I read a book on them. I just really enjoy that stuff. Um, I was just curious again uh, where where this is in the history of animation. And um, Toy Story by Pixar came out in '95. Okay. So Toy Story two came out, uh, I believe, this same year or the year after. You didn't name it in that list, so I'm just assuming yeah. that it must have been the year after. Yeah, you, you may be right. But, um, yeah, let me just look up Toy Story 2 right here. Toy mm-hmm. Story 2 came out, and it says 99. Okay. Yep. Right. So, in November 13th, 99, so it would have been late in the year anyway. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but it's interesting where that is in the history there. And uh, Toy Story 2 is John Lasseter. Um, who was the the person running oh, that? <laughs> yeah, he was he was the driving force in, at Pixar. Right. So for you so know, long. Yeah, Brad Bird ended up there after. So so yeah, they would have seen Iron Giant and and like you said, we like this and uh, come on over everybody. 
<laughs> because yes. you know, by then, you know, Warner Brothers was done because they were like, "Well, this is the second one in the row that's failed, whatever the reasons were, even mm-hmm. though it was their fault." But um, but yeah, then they moved on. Yeah, well, that you take take the good artists where you find them. You know, yeah, that's, for sure. Um, well, and talking of those moments, they didn't do the things a lot of movies at the times would do. You didn't have the funny sidekick. Well, and I guess in a sense, occasionally you'd have the robot being the funny sidekick. Like when the hand is in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> I, I remembered it as a funny sequence, but I had forgotten just how funny. It's not very long. Yes. But the hand then becomes, you know, it's like the robot. You've got to hide it. But it's like when he had the pet and he was trying to find it because it was lost but keep the mother from seeing it. So the story is building naturally from stuff we've seen before. This is in this kid's nature. But also it was just funny. And it was kind of needed because <laughs> the story was getting intense. But um, yeah, I just, uh, those were all nice little moments. Yes. Where you can just appreciate that little tiny bit within the story. It's mm. a little extra, but it's there because it's funny. <laughs> That's you know. cool. And and I loved how you mentioned E.T. at the beginning, too, because I hadn't really thought that much about that. But this has actually got a lot of similarity with E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the, you know, that comic book scene where, you know, he's he's showing his comics to the giant. Um, I can think I can think of a similar scene in E.T. where Elliot is showing him, <laughs> you know, his stuff. You know, this is this. This is this, you know. All the uh, stuffed animals, the Yoda. Yes, the, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And say so I haven't seen it in so long. Oh, it's been it's been forever. But yeah. you know, those are the scenes that kind of stick with me. But I'm thinking now of the thing with the frogs, and then the thing with the squirrel in the restaurant at the beginning, and it's not the same, but it's it's using similar elements for. But of course, some of those are just storytelling devices that you'll find in other things, and I, you know, so I can't go into it too much that way but yeah yeah and then just the, the idea of trying to hide the alien from the government <laughs> well you know. the government and also the parents yes right. the parents won't understand mm-hmm. and it's that natural secretive nature of a kid when they're playing sometimes which isn't bad it's just they have their own way of thinking and doing stuff mm. and the parents don't and yeah. they know the parents love them but the parents don't want them to get covered head to toe in mud or whatever you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, one of the things I liked also that we haven't talked about, and this is the biggest thing, so let's give ourselves a little time, mm-hmm. which is the essential message of, it's one, one part of it is, don't be a gun, be Superman. Hmm. But the other thing is, it's a really sensitive look at death that does not shy away. You know, it takes Bambi and pushes it one step further Mm. with, you know, and Bambi, of course, the mother is killed off screen. You hear the shot, you know what's happened. It's the same in the book. I don't know if you've ever read the book. It's it's an adult Mm. book, not for Mm. kids. (laughs) Um, But in the Disney movie is what most of us would know. And here, of course, you have the same thing, the deer and uh, the giant's appreciation of the natural world that we're surrounded by. He's just taken in by the wonder of it. And then this deer is dead and Elliot has to explain to him how this is. Now, from a storytelling point of view, this is genius because later he thinks Elliot is dead. He now, he understands the concept of death. 
And so we see his reaction. But at this point, Elliot, they take that moment later when the giant's kind of, I love he's lying there contemplatively flipping up the hood of the car, up and down, <laughs> up and down, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can see he's kind of preoccupied. Mm-hmm. And that's Elliot says, you know, it's bad to kill. It's not bad to die. Souls don't die. Mm-hmm. And later, the giant is, and there's some more conversation about it. He says, my mother says, you know, your soul's what's inside of you. And, you know, you're metal, but you can think and feel and all these things. So you have a soul and souls don't die. And so later, he's just lying there looking at the stars going, souls don't die. Mm. Well, that's a message. You think you could get that into a movie today? Oh, my gosh. That seems controversial. And it's so Basic it and does simple. seem controversial, and uh, you know, as as you were describing that, and I was thinking about Bambi, something kind of like a light bulb went off in my head where, um, you know, it, it's like today, you know, we worry about you know triggering people and having Not warnings yet. and stuff like that. But one of the things that stories do, like when you think of the story of Bambi, whose mother passed away, right, is Her, killed, by is hunters, killed, yes. right, you know, it, and but yet Bambi's life went on. Yes. She, and, and seeing that in a story, there was this quote, and I, I think it's from Chesterton. Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Yes. And it's the same thing. So when you're talking about this, you know, subtle... Or sensitive, I think is the word you used, exploration of death. Um, there's incredible value in that. Um, and it, it's like, you know, we, we're trying, we're shying away from that now, worried about somebody might feel bad about this or something like that. But is it possible that that is the person that would benefit most from seeing that? Um, it's just right. an interesting thing to think about, you know. So as you were talking, I just thought about Bambi and thought, well, a person who has gone through something could see that and see that Bambi's life continued and come away hopeful. And that's the power of that story. Um, you don't want to right. not show that story to someone who needs it. <laughs> you know, you don't want to shy away and let them just be alone. You know what I mean? Well, that's also the power of letting people experience hard things, hopefully not death, but like you say, with the trigger warnings, which had not occurred to me until you mentioned them by trying to protect people from stuff, you rob them of the chance to toughen up a little. There is going to be a bully. Yeah. You rob them, you rob them of the, of the moving past it. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be with them. It's not like it's ignored. It's not like it disappears. But you're like, okay, that's part of me. Now go forward. Don't stay there. Go. Yeah, if you don't do that, you turn them into either victims when it does happen because they don't know how to move past it. um, Or you kind of cripple them. And, of course, you don't want that to happen to anyone. But, you know, when my kids were growing up, or even now, they experience problems and heartache and all that stuff. And you can't do anything to soften it. You could not possibly protect them. You do what you can, of course, as a human being to help. But each person has to go through this on their own. And if they don't, you're robbing them of being human. Wow. 
you know, that reminds me Finding Nemo, um, <laughs> at the beginning yeah. of that movie, you know? Yeah. Um, so many people hated that. They just hated that beginning. Just horrible, right? And oh, it yeah, is I guess. tough to watch, right? That's so funny because we took the kids and it never bothered any of us because we're used to only one parent in one of these movies. That's how, yeah. you know, they, and after watching, I'm sorry, Mufasa, mm-hmm. wasn't that the yeah, father's name in right. The Lion King? The Lion King. to his death. I right. was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you monsters. Hannah started to leave the theater over uh-huh. that. Wow. My little girl. Oh, that was right. too much. Yes. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. But like yeah. you say, like Very interesting on, to yeah. think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, I mean, so maybe there's, maybe what we're learning there is that there's a, a right way to do that. Um, maybe, maybe the Lion King did it in a visceral way that was a little too far. <laughs> it was, um, a, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. yeah, just find him lying dead under the tree later or something. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, don't show him falling and yeah. falling. That was too much. Oh, rough. Yeah. But then, but the Iron Giant is beautiful that way. Oh, yeah. And you realize, you think back, and this just occurred to me, we were talking about his father's dead and missing, and it doesn't ever get mentioned except why would his mother have talked to him about that? It had to be because the father wasn't there, because the father died. And just to add another layer, of course, I don't, you may have seen this already, but Brad Bird's sister was shot to death. Oh, I did not know she that. She was killed by somebody with a gun. Wow. I can't remember if it's someone who knew her or not, but he had to go through that. And it was horrible, of course, wow. for the entire family. But this was his movie for his sister. Wow. I didn't know that layer. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And I hesitate to mention it to people because then that's all they focus on is, oh, he's, you know, but... Because, like you're saying, the, the message is valid for everyone, you know. Mm. Life goes on. And, of course, you contrast that with the paranoid government guy, who is a stock character, so you can't go too far into it. But all he's thinking about is, how can I protect myself from this? Mm. He's not thinking about the other people around him. He's so closed off. Yeah. And then, you know, the the additional piece is this idea that... uh you know, it doesn't matter what you perceive that you were made for, <laughs> you know, your choices right. are yours and, um, you can choose not to be a gun. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is the empowering message of the movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just leave you with it's bad to kill and we all miss this person and all this stuff, which is Bambi's life went on, but you know, they're, you know, the stag shows up and goes, well, she's not coming anymore. you have to go on, you know? Yeah. Part of what the Iron Giant does that I like is it shows, again, we come back to this message, it's other people and community that help you learn what are your choices in life. If the giant hadn't met Hogarth, he wouldn't have even known there was something like Superman. And Hogarth is there going, no, no, you don't have to be a gun, be Superman. There's a higher ideal that you can aspire to. So then it becomes this idea of who do we want to be? And who's our model? <laughs> and who's our model? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the who do we want to be, I guess I was thinking of that's what it is, is who mm-hmm. do we look at who we aspire to be like? Yeah. I mean, I often will stop and say, wait a minute, what would my grandparents have done? Mm-hmm. 
and they're they're good examples for me of that stuff. Um, I would mm-hmm. like to be like them. Yeah, yeah. And here on this so, Easter weekend, you know, we think of you know Jesus, you know, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, who, uh, you know, part of why he came that way was to give us someone to relate to, right? Um, you know, someone that yeah. we could understand, someone we could emulate, and he was showing us how all the time. Yeah, because it was God himself coming down to say, okay, I get it. It's mm-hmm. hard to understand all this. As a human being, I'm going to live through all these various experiences and be with you and show you. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, you can be Superman. Yeah, yeah. Who still makes mistakes, is still a human being, can't speak up to Lois Lane, mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. But he's thinking of others. He's sacrificing himself for others. And that's what the giant does at the end. And that's when, every time I watch this, I cry. Yeah. yeah. I can't help it. <laughs> but yep. after his sacrifice, I don't know if you noticed this. I can't think of another reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking up at the star, the light that's left by the explosion. And what you really see is a cross. Hmm. There's a slight halo of light behind it, but what's shining super bright is a cross in the middle of the star. Yeah, I did not see that. It's shown, it's then transitioned to being a twinkle in the the statue of the giant's eye. Mm -hmm. So it's then directly connected Mm -hmm. with the giant in case we didn't get it. Yeah, Saint Iron Giant. (laughs) Well, yeah, and Mm -hmm. let's think about it. The screw that um, Hogarth is given later indicates to us the giant is being resurrected. Yeah. His parts are coming from all <laughs> over the world because we learned earlier he'll reassemble himself. The little uh, radar signal will go off. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard and, It's hard as a Christian not to think of a nail when he's right. got the screw. Oh, I did not think of that. That's good. Yeah. 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 Well, because it was one of the screws that you see hopping up to go into his, you know, into his mm. ear, hold his ear on or whatever right, <laughs> early yeah. on. And it's funny. So, mm. but um, all those things are slight. But as we say, they're not put in by accident because there's no reason to have that cross there. I mean, it's a point of light, but you could choose any shape. Yeah. Um, and I just, there's this whole emphasis on sacrificing yourself for others mm-hmm. and um, being, rising again, being bigger than, you know, who you are by just getting up and trying one more time and being inspired by the people around you and everything. It's just, for a Christian, there are a lot of small symbols there, very much like with the day the earth stood still. Yeah. <laughs> Which right. has another giant robot in it. <laughs> Not quite so friendly, yeah. but you know. Gort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Gort. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What what a powerful thing, you know, and then and then we mm-hmm. have the uh the resurrection at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um but but you know, it's like, yeah, this you know, this will continue. But it never did. But um but yeah. No, it'd be cool. Okay. It'd be cool if Brad Bird did another one, uh, with with what he knows now. But it sure would have mm-hmm. to be a good story. I, I, oh, I got to be careful yeah. with the the desire of a sequel, right? Because <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work out. Well, and you know, Toy Story surprised me. Yeah, the, me too. The three yeah. first three Toy Stories were so good. Mm-hmm. 
and um, the whole idea of seeing something in a different medium also is a temptation. I know that um, we were talking about Murderbot at the book club, which you and I talked about mm-hmm. earlier this year or last year, sorry. But um, And somebody was saying, oh, I'd love to see these as a movie. And I, I was like, ah, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Like, can they get it right? Can they even get it halfway close to right? I don't think so. You know, and mm. other people were very much welcoming, embracing that whole idea. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm always afraid they're going to ruin what I love. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I and, guess uh, I'm too fearful. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have the same thing. But The Incredibles for me, the first one, it oh, was yeah. a perfect movie. Yes. <laughs> Perfection, you know. And I liked Incredibles too. And now they're doing three. And mm. I'm just like, hmm. Two was okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, so we'll we'll see what happens I barely what happens remember here. it, which says something there. So yeah, yeah, yes, it does. I wonder. Um, I'm not even sure who's involved with three, and I hope that it is Brad Bird, but I don't know for sure. I, it's actually that, coming out we, this year. Is that even legal to have an Incredibles movie without Brad Bird? What's going on? <laughs> I certainly hope not. What kind of a world are we living in? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, if I had a list of perfect films, uh, Incredibles would be one of them. It's it's a great movie. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah, he's not listed as director. I'm on IMDb. He's not listed as director of Incredibles 3. Is he a writer? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't see it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is he still with Pixar? I wonder. Um, that I his, don't his know. His next um, film is called 1906. Clicking through, a young man discovers a series of secrets and lies that left San Francisco highly vulnerable to the fires that engulfed it in the aftermath of the historical 1906 oh, earthquake. I think I remember. This sounds familiar. I must have read a description mm-hmm. of this. And it says animated. So, hmm. Well, if the reviews are halfway good, we'll watch it. Well, we'll I'll watch it no matter what. But we'll oh, see. Oh, because you're seeing. See, you're well, there's some things you just gotta see, right? <laughs> An animated movie about the fires that engulfed. <laughs> I do have a real fondness like, for the fires of San Francisco. Yes, indeed. I, uh, How fascinating. You know, I don't know why. I just, uh, what was the movie? Uh, maybe it was called San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a book called The Calico Palace by Gwen Bristow. That is a, uh, it's a big romance type novel, but I found out later that she was a real stickler about all the history. So I know a ton about San Francisco at that time <laughs> period. Wow. Um, anyway, I just, uh, that would be interesting to see. So anyway, but this movie, um, some people, he's done a lot of great movies. Some people call this his best movie. And I don't know if I can call it his best movie, but I, for me, it's equal with The Incredibles. Mm. It's Very not mm-hmm. looking at the same things. And so he can have a completely different way of telling a different story, which is The Incredibles. And I love The Incredibles. But I think this one, the heart is truer and simpler. Hmm. You know, it doesn't need all the stuff because it's he's telling a real basic message that everybody needs to hear as a real super fun movie. Hmm. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Wonderful. That's my take on it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a good take. It's a good no, take. Thank you. I'm so glad you it. picked it. Like I said, this has been on my list from the very beginning. And then I'll oh, keep going, good. oh, this new thing is shinier. Let's look at this. So. Heck yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you picked it. Fun movie. Fun movie. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I didn't do it on purpose, but how incredibly appropriate oh. for Easter weekend. You so know. timely. This will come out on Easter Tuesday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really great. Yep. So thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up to you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Brad Bird had something to do with it. And some other people. (laughs) Yes, but you had to get us to talk about it. That's right. That's right. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, all right. So what have we got coming up now? Mm. Oh, wow. I picked uh, Dragonflight by Anne McCaffrey. Wow, talk and, about something it's been years since I've read. Yes, and me too. And um, you know, I, I hope that we find that it's going to be really interesting to talk about. <laughs> but it, it was just one of those things where I was it just like, you know, it's been so long, and uh, let's just do that. You know, it just popped you know, up in the head. So somebody I know was talking about my cousin Benny, and she had listened to our podcast from a long time ago about it she mm-hmm. goes, so great you guys found so much in it that i wouldn't have thought of and i was like well we were both surprised because scott just went let's watch my cousin Vinny. and i was like great what do you want to talk about and he's like uh. <laughs> and she said is that how you guys pick movies and i was like almost never yeah but sometimes scott just goes let's do this let's roll these and dice just go yeah. on a wild ride <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i i figured the worst thing that could happen is it would be a 10 minute podcast and uh and and some we'd people, save the world from 50 extra minutes some people might view that as the extra good thing so uh <laughs> you bet you bet but i am really looking forward to it um i'm Me actually too. excited to read that Oh my gosh, yes. I remember when my mother, well, I don't remember her specifically bringing it Mm. home from the grocery store, but that's where we got it. And everybody Uh, in the household read it who was age appropriate. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I I have a, it's like one of those flashbulb memories of being in a um, used bookstore in the science fiction paperback section. I'm going to guess I was 12. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at the Anne McCaffrey books. You know, I, w- I was in a day where I was looking at every book, you know. Okay. And I pulled Anne McCaffrey off. And this old fellow was behind me. He was wearing a, like a black suit. You know, he was he was like a, you know, had a cane and everything. It was like, a, <laughs> you know, but he, but he said, son, Anne McCaffrey has never written a bad book. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think I'll take this one. And it was Dragonflight. Okay. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. It's just a, you know, who knows if that's even real. <laughs> it's just, a, <laughs> you know, that could have been a dream or something. But uh, I just, it's I just in so. there. It's I in there. I think it was real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, you know, I, I think about that. Some, you know, memories are funny. But uh, I used to go to a place called the Bookworm. And uh, that's where it was, you know. Perfect name. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, good little place. Was there a lot as a kid? They're in the library. Well, we'll see what the bookworm has for us next next uh, time. I yep, guess, you yeah. bet, you bet. Yeah, good okay. stuff. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, and, and we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye.